This is the John Oakley Show podcast. There was a protest on the lawn. Uh, parents and those supportive of autistic uh, parents of autistic children uh, were venting their spleen. They're concerned about uh, what they feel is uh, plans for a new funding arrangement and the fact that uh, there's been a year's delay in terms of uh, creating a needs-based autism program. As you know, this has been a file that's been fumbled from the hop by uh, the Ford government. It looked like Todd Smith, who was the uh, new Minister of Children, Community, and Social Services, would take matters well in hand. And, uh, well, we'll see if, in fact, he's about to do that. QP Ontario, uh, represented by President Fred Hahn, uh, not too enthused going forward. Fred Hahn uh, is joining us on the line right here on The Oakley Show, Global News Radio, 640 Toronto. Fred, good to have you back in the show. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, John. Tell me about this uh, rally at Queen's Park. Uh, what was the point and purpose? Well, the Ontario Autism Coalition uh, called this rally, and they had folks from around the province, uh, coalition partners, uh, those of us from Labour, others were there to support them because, uh, you know, parents were dealt uh, a really difficult blow just at the end of last year. They uh, had mounted a bunch of pressure. They had called attention to this. Everyone in Ontario has heard about the problems with funding for supports for kids with autism. The government agreed to change the cuts that they had originally announced would be in place. They announced a new program would be coming, but at the end of last year, they said it would take another year. Uh, And, you know, we're talking here about some of the most vulnerable kids in our communities. Uh, We're talking here about services that matter a great deal uh, to those families and to all of us, actually. And we're talking about a promise made by the four Conservatives. Uh, They were very proud of saying promises made, promises kept. They should keep this promise uh, to reverse cuts to funding for autism. Why the delay of a year, by the way? I have no idea. Uh, I think it has something to do with the fact that they they kind of... uh, uh, made some budget assumptions in last year's budget based on a series of cuts that they announced, not just to funding for autism, but in our schools, in our healthcare system, uh, to municipalities. They've received a lot of pressure and pushback from folks. Again, not just parents of kids with autism, but in communities across the province. Uh, you know, people value their services; they need them, uh, and they don't. You know, they're not just going to stand by and take cuts. Uh, so I think they made a promise to fix it, and I don't think they know how to. It's actually quite simple. In fact, it should be really simple. I mean, parents of kids with autism should be able to go to any school, any municipality, any social service agency, no matter where they live. They should be able to receive the supports that their kids need to succeed. That's the kind of thing that we do in this province. It's what should be done in this case. Is it possible that the government was trying to rationalize the cost? For example, uh, when it was cited early on, I remember thinking to myself, at the very extreme, some of these parents were facing costs of like $80,000 a year. That was what was quoted widely in the media. And I thought, uh, gee, how do you address that as a government? I mean, this is the needs-based funding uh, that is being sought or asked for. Is that an appropriate ask? Well, part of the challenge of this is that, you know, needs-based funding to who? To for-profit service providers in some cases, right? I mean, if we had a comprehensive system of care that actually provided supports to people in their communities, it could be done much more effectively and efficiently. The Ford government is not the first government to botch this uh, file for these families and for kids with disabilities. Um, And, you know, at the end of the day, 
when we have this is about investment upfront that actually helps to uh, put people on the right track and stabilize them for the rest of their lives as they continue to live their lives in in our province in our communities. Uh, and this kind of investment is incredibly important. It can be done much more efficiently, we think, through a public system that actually has uh, supports across the province. Uh, but we're not even actually able to talk about that today because we're still back to. Are you going to help families who are in crisis that have kids today that have no resources today to actually help them succeed? Fred, are you saying that there are kids going without the intensive therapy that's really necessary in the early stages? That's what we're hearing from parents and families, and uh, either uh, that they don't have those resources, that they don't know that those resources will be continued, that they're not sure that they can continue, and. The reality for us in QP is that we represent folks who work in the public sector. We represent folks who work in community agencies who actually provide these services um, uh, in a not-for-profit model. And a number and those cuts that were announced by the four Conservatives didn't just happen to families; they happened to these agencies. There have been a number of workers who've been laid off by agencies because they they simply don't know if they're going to be able to continue uh, to provide these services in community. We need more services, not less. We don't need people who have these skills, who can help these families, help these kids losing their jobs. And you're saying the public system can operate more effectively and efficiently. That has been demonstrated in so many different ways. That's why we have a public health care system, because it, it runs much more efficiently and effectively than when you offer uh, these kind of services for profit. Fred Hahn is with us, the president of QP Ontario. On that note, let me just pivot here for a second because uh, I know one of the locals, 416, the outside workers, for example, you know when you say they operate more effectively and efficiently, garbage, for example, has been privatized west of Young Street. There had been some considerations about, uh, I don't know, three or four years ago that it would be privatized east of, but 416 carried the day and the mayor relented and so on and so forth. But this is coming up as an issue again because these outside workers, I guess about 5,000 of them, uh, either are going to be locked out or could be facing a strike as early as the 27th. Uh, what do you hear? What do you know? Well, look, the city is the one that is being quite aggressive in this round of bargaining. They're the ones who applied uh, for a no-board report. They're the ones who are trying to force uh, concessions and cuts to services. Um, look, part of the reason why garbage continues to be delivered in the public model in half of the city of Toronto is because it provides a good comparator to that private uh, system that is on the other half of the city. Uh, In municipalities where they've uh, completely given over this kind of service to the private sector, what we see is that initially those costs look like they're reasonable, but once uh, you're completely reliant on that private sector provider, they can jack up the cost because you no longer have capacity to actually deliver those services. So it is a good comparator. It has been uh, a smart thing for the City of Toronto to do. What isn't smart is for them to expect that somehow these workers who deliver uh, very important, high-quality services for the people of the City of Toronto wouldn't be expect respect at the bargaining table. That's really what this is about. Um, we've seen the response of the people of Toronto when it comes to cuts from the provincial government, when it comes to this kind of high-handed tactic. We don't want or need a repeat of that in the City of Toronto. What we need is for the city to sit down at the bargaining table and come up with an agreement that respects those workers and lets them do their job. Fred, it was cited that uh, privatization of the garbage west of Young Street saved $11 million a year uh, over the public system. Uh, Is that true or false? Well, I haven't seen that report. Don't know where it's cited, but I can tell you this. Uh, There are just dozens of examples where 
the privatization of service looks like it, it initially saves money, but in fact, at the end of the day, costs the taxpayer more because you're providing the same service, only this time you have to rope in profit. It's kind of kind of basic. It's like our hydro bills. Remember when the Liberals said, we'll sell hydro, and somehow your rates will go down and it'll be cheaper, everything will be good? Even Doug Ford has been struggling with how to lower uh, rates. He said he would lower our hydro rates. In fact, they go up. Why is that? Because now it is controlled by a private company that must needs must make profit. That's the way they work. And that's not in and of itself a bad thing if you're talking about the private sector and businesses. But for some of the services and some of the things about we, on which we rely, it, make, it makes no sense to divert money that could be going to deliver services into profit for corporations. I've got to ask you finally, I mean, when it comes to negotiating some of these things, the key items, of course, parental leave, job security, uh, benefits, the Auditor General in the city found that the uh, benefits were being abused. Remember on orthotics, like orthotic socks and things like that, people were writing up uh, scripts. I guess they had compliant doctors or so on and so forth. About 100 people lost their jobs, if memory serves. I think that was with the TTC. But uh, is this something that, you know, at least makes sense for the city to look at and change providers and everything? Wouldn't you uh, appreciate that the city maybe does have a case that we can find things to be done more efficiently and effectively? Well, and in fact, that is within the city's control. And in fact, I think it's something they did do. They did change benefit providers. Um, But when it comes to job security, what we're really talking about here is service security. I mean, uh, look, these public services don't get delivered without people to deliver them, right? I mean, you need people to actually provide you the services that people rely on. And so while it is often called job security, it really is about securing those services for the community to make sure that the services that people rely on are there for them, provided Uh, by the municipal government, which is what we expect governments to do. Uh, This is uh, not something that is undoable. It takes people sitting down at a bargaining table, treating each other with respect and understanding that, you know, at the end of the day, the people who provide those services deserve respect. They deserve security. I would say all workers deserve some measure of job security, to be honest. That makes just good sense for all of us. All right, Fred, I'm going to let you go on that note. We'll see what happens with the local 416 outside workers. And uh, as to the autism file, good to have you on the program. Thank you. Thank you very much. we got a Fred Hahn, president of CUPE Ontario. Thanks for listening to the John Oakley Show podcast. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and anywhere else you get your on-demand audio.